Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Join us in the chat on YouTube. Just search out Outkick. Subscribe to the channel while you're there. And enjoy the million plus on the channel. In the chat with Chad. Wave your flag. Say hello. Let us know where you're from. Chats doing a, a nice job today. Keeping my spirits up. I love this chat. Live, live every day, uh, 3 o'clock Eastern. Uh, and you can ring the bell there and it'll alert you whenever we go live each and every day on YouTube. Catch all the shows live or on demand across the Outkick Network. Chad, uh, Clay Travis joins us coming up in 20 minutes. Merrill Hodge on today's show in about an hour and a half. Uh, can't wait for that. Clay's joining us walking the streets of New York, I believe. Yeah. You think, you think he's singing or humming Sinatra in his head like you and I would do? Probably not. Clay spends a lot more time in New York than we do. So when we're there, we get the, the, the feeling of the aura yeah. of Frank Sinatra. Clay's always thinking like York, three steps ahead on a, on a conversation. I don't, think, I don't think he could handle singing a song to himself. He's thinking about what he's about to sing. Yeah, and Clay also, <laughs> Clay's got a lot of varied and wide interests. He has zero interest in music. Zero. That is one yeah, area right. where he knows nothing. He cares nothing about it. He doesn't have favorite songs. He doesn't have favorite bands. I mean, he'll listen to something that's catchy to him. Yeah. But he has no interest or knowledge. He's the driver, not the DJ. In music. Maybe we'll ask car. Clay about that. Like that, That's one area where he's just got no interest, no knowledge. And he'll be the first to tell you. Nick Saban is going to win regardless because he's at Alabama and he's Nick Saban in college football. Uh, NIL guidelines, restrictions, collectives, free-for-all. No matter if, if it's a super conference or it's the current Power Five, Alabama's going to be in the mix. What I believe we saw due to name, image, likeness and the collective impact was more parity in college basketball. Chad, do you agree on this? The NCAA tournament, I think, is a direct reflection of what we've seen open up through the transfer portal and through name, image, likeness, and the ability to get paid and make an impact immediately. And I think that's much easier to do on the college basketball level, but we did see more parity when it came to the top teams throughout the entire season, not just the tournament, but the number one teams in America that lost and the back and forth that we saw. And the top 10, we referenced a lot. It was not the name brands. It was some newcomers there, and, and that's good. It's refreshing. Yeah, because I think the top programs are a lot more impatient, so they rush to bring in transfers, yeah, and yeah. guys transfer from those programs more frequently. So while you can change your fortunes, good or bad, overnight now with NIL and the transfer portal and college basketball, the programs that had guys stay that got older together, you see a lot of success. FAU, I think, is a good example of that a year ago. So you're seeing a lot more programs like that. So yes, I do think it is something that has changed the complexities of college basketball at all levels. And you're seeing it in the NCAA tournament. I, I don't think we're going to see it very different in college football. And Saban's willing to advocate on behalf of rules, restrictions, regulations, guardrails that will help to, it'll help teams other than Alabama, quite frankly. It's, it, it, based on what he's saying, he's more of an advocate for the have-nots than the haves because he's always going to have whatever he needs to take. He's going to have the resources available. He recently jo joined Joel Klatt in what I really enjoyed over about a 20-minute conversation where the, the parody in college football topic came up because of the expansion of the college football playoff and 
how we will now judge teams moving forward with Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, and how we currently judge, quote-unquote, parity in college football now with a 14 playoff. In the SEC, when you add Texas and Oklahoma, there's going to be more parity because there's probably going to be six, seven teams ranked in the top 20 sure. that are going to be playing each other. But the problem with the way the whole system is, there's no accounting for that. All we do is take the teams that win the most games at the end of the year and put them at the in the playoffs. But do you really get the best teams? When they told me that we would be favored against three out of the four teams that got in the playoffs, I'm like, well, why aren't we in the playoffs? Does that mean they have a better team? Or does it mean that those people don't know what they're talking about? I, I really don't know that. And I'm not being critical of anybody. If, if you're going to have parity, you have to have a better way of figuring out who has the best teams. Not just because you lose two games on the last play of the game yeah. that knocks you out when you may be better than somebody else who didn't have the same circumstances that they had to play in. In theory, I agree with what he's saying, but this is Saban being Saban because he wanted to be in the college football playoff last year. And it is true. It was a discussion on this show. Bama would have been favored in Vegas over three of the four, everyone but Georgia. If Ohio State shows up and plays Alabama the way they played Georgia, Ohio State wins that game last year. Without a doubt in my mind. I think Alabama lines up and beats Michigan. I think they line up and beat TCU. They're not beating Georgia. No one was. And I, I don't think he's arguing that. But what I hear in this, and I'm also, while he's talking, thinking in another year we're going to see the 16-team, or the 12-team expansion, sorry, for the college football playoff. I wish it was much larger. And Alabama's going to be in there. Tennessee should be there. It's going to be SEC and Big Ten dominated after you get the, the, the prereqs of the top teams from the conference and then the group of five, the non-power five, the top-ranked team from that group that also joins, it's still going to be the haves and the have-nots. And I still think, Chad, of that group, you're still going to have a, a much smaller representation that actually has the opportunity to win a national championship. I don't see, you know, the the parity from college basketball where we saw some lower seeds make a run, not just through the first round, but to the Sweet 16 a, a bit further as well with Florida Atlantic. That's not happening by any stretch. But we're, we're going to see more teams with a couple losses. And or it's three not, losses. Or it's not if you lost, it's how you lost. That comes in more to play now than it has with the four teams because you have many more options and more excuses to rank Bama ahead of other teams. And by the way, the committee did that based on the way they finished the season despite the two losses. They were ranked ahead of teams they lost to. And I, I think that that's indicative of what the committee is already saying. Moving forward, Bama's going to be hosting in round one, and they're going to be with the opportunity to, to make their run to the semifinals in the national championship game, which many will predict. Look, it's a late argument from Saban because we've already remedied this with a 12-team playoff. So right. we're going we're gonna to eliminate what's happened in the past with what he's arguing about. And with a 12-team playoff, I mean, yeah, if you're playing an SEC schedule, that's going to be tougher than pretty much everyone else in America that doesn't play an SEC schedule. There's going to be some years where – some of the Big Ten schedule is going to be tougher than the SEC, but SEC, Big Ten, those schedules are going to be far tougher than other conference schedules. So you have to factor all of that in, which they try to do with that now. Then a championship game. But now four lost teams may get in the playoff at 12. 
I mean, we, we may see that if your schedule's that difficult and you lose four close, tough games and have some good wins. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. There's going to be some three-loss teams that make it in also. So there, you're going to see more of that where you can look at teams 8 through 15 and try to sift through them and look at strength of schedule, look at how they lost, look at all those things. Now, the Nick Saban argument, to, though, to me is completely flat because Nick Saban is using the metric of Vegas lines to say that he should have been in the playoff. Well, I see that we would have been favored against three of the four teams, so why aren't we in there? Well, Nick, you were favored against all 12 teams in the regular season, and you lost two of them. So Vegas isn't always right. You can't take that and say, well, that shows that we should have been in there. No, the games still matter. It's not because Vegas thinks you have more talent than those teams that shows that you should have been in the playoff. That's a ridiculous statement to make because you were favored against Tennessee. You were favored against LSU. You lost both those games. It's sports. Surprises happen. Things happen. So for him to twist it into Vegas had us favored over three of the four, so why are we not there is an empty argument to me. Well, his argument was just who's better, not who's ranked higher. It's like who's the best team. Yeah, he's, but he's using for the who's the best team as, well, Vegas had us favored over three of those. And, and, they, and the committee put Bama at the end of the season fifth, ahead of Tennessee, ahead of Clemson, ahead of Utah, ahead of Kansas State. Um, and by the way, I, I don't know if th- three losses is going to be tough even with a 12-team playoff based on the, the rules of how the committee has to take into a, a, an account. Um, the two, not, the Tulane, group of five teams. Tulane yeah. would have been the 12 seed. In their final ranking, Tulane was 16th. They would have been the 12th seed. LSU played in the SEC championship game. They would not have made the college football playoff in a 12-team playoff because they would have been bounced because of Tulane. And LSU in this ranking finished 17th. Again, it's it's kind of confusing because I do think the better team, there will still be better teams that get left out because they're making sure that it's not totally dominated by two conferences, which it would be yeah. if you're just taking the best teams. Um, but that's how you get the best team. Jay on uh, the YouTube chat said Saban is full of it. Heck no, Bama didn't deserve to be the playoffs last year. They in no way deserve to be ranked number five ahead of a Tennessee team they lost to. And yes, Nick, the teams win the most get in, typically. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a system that's been fine for Alabama and Nick Saban over the years because they're usually the ones with the most wins, and they get in. But you can't then change that to, well, we lost two close games at the very end, so you got to factor in who's the best team. And not just because we lost two games. I just, I'm not buying. Again, Nick Saban, very smart man. I agree with 90% of what he says about what's best for college football in the long run. But when he says things like this, it's so clearly hypocritical. Because it's coming straight from his vantage point as Alabama head coach about what just happened most recently. And what happened most recently was he went on a PR tour on every national television show trying to petition for his Alabama team to be in the playoff with two losses over teams with one loss or no losses. And he nearly did it. So it's just, he's being very self-centered when he talks about it that way. And he nearly did it based on if TCU wins at the, in their, uh, against Kansas State on the rematch, if that, or if they lose. Yeah. Right? The, the other thing, Chad, is, uh, I mean, he, it doesn't really matter 
which direction they go. Eight, eight games, nine games in conference. But he's been lobbying for nine. He's been lobbying for nine conference games. Well, he lobbied for nine until he found out his opponents. But, but he's and then going, he complained about it. But he's, right now he's discussing Texas and Oklahoma coming in, which adds more parity to the league, which is true, and a, a tougher schedule, which is also true. But he already had a tough schedule as it was based on who they were facing moving forward. Not in the past, but moving forward with the programs he has to face on an annual basis. Yeah, and, but yeah, he has been one lobbying for nine games, but the moment those three constant opponents with that plan were leaked and it was Auburn, LSU, Tennessee, mm-hmm. he didn't want it as much anymore. He was okay with the eight games and voted for that voted instead for that. until they figure out something different that he likes more. But lobbied for nine, but well, he's already playing those teams anyway every year. And Auburn just added the coach that beat that actually oh, no, won yeah, twice. He's, he's playing it, but his argument is no, no one else is playing those three teams every year now with no divisions in the new deal. So I don't want that. You know, I want nine, Someone but I want, a, I want a different nine. What's not, I don't, look, nobody gets a Nick Saban's ear. I, I believe the man well, speaks from his heart but that message on everything changed, he says, but he's, he's saying things that it's conveniently only benefits Alabama, what he's arguing for in college football. I agree with most everything he says, but when he's saying because we were favored against three of the four teams, we should have been in, I'm not willing to go down that road with him. The games you played mattered. Whether you lost at the end or not, that should factor in, but the two losses still count. Not what Vegas now thinks you would do against three of the four more deserving college football playoff teams that were in the playoff. Last two teams in this past season would have been USC and... Penn State. Washington was ranked 12th, but would have been bounced due to Tulane getting in out of the group of five ranked the highest. Hey, I can't wait until the new format starts. Me too. It's going to be fun to sit here in November and December and speculate teams all the way up to 25 at that point. If you're in November that you can legitimately talk about Hey, if this, this, and this happens... Three or four losses and how they lost. This weekend's a big weekend in mid-November. There's a lot of big games happening. Maybe this team ranked 22nd right now will work their way up to 14 or 15 and then have a chance at the playoff. It's going to keep so many more programs well, and then, and then the involved championship games. in the championship hunt. And the championship games for the conferences play a huge factor on so that first fun. week of December. It's fun now because every program kind of has a different goal in mind. But to add to it at least 15 to 20 programs that legitimately are talking national championship playoff contention. That's going to be fun to follow throughout the year. You get so many more teams interested in the ultimate prize. The punt god, Matt Ariza, who doesn't have charges uh, next to his name for the alleged gang rape that took place uh, last, or 2022, 2021, uh, the fall of 2021. Um, he's got, uh, he was on with Anth- uh, Andrea Kramer, a uh, friend of the show, Chad. With NBC. Yeah, we need to get her back on the show. And uh, he told her that he plans to sue Dan Gillian, who was on the show, the attorney for the alleged victim in this case. Um, Ariza says he's already hired an attorney for this lawsuit, that things have already been drafted, written up, and he will never waive his right to sue Dan Gillian. Quote, that's coming. And in reference to waiving his right to sue Gillian suggests that the the settlement of the, the claims being made through the victim would include that waiver from Ariza that he would not sue Dan Gillian for defamation with this. So get ready. That's the next litigation that comes from all this. And to this point, Ariza is not on any roster, any 91 man roster uh, for an NFL training camp. 
I've long been a huge Andrew Kramer fan, as you know, Hutton. Yes. And I'm a long been a huge fan of Real Sports on HBO. I record all of them. I went back and watched this one this morning. And um, Dan Gillian, who we had on the show, is singing a very, very different tune than he did with us. I would not be shocked if that interview with us is not called into mm. evidence in this lawsuit against him. And I mean that sincerely. If you go back and watch the interview on OutKick, on Hot Mike with us, he looks really bad compared to what he's saying now. And it's based on the fact that Ariza won't sign this waiver with everything being he's dropped. a very different tune. Clay Travis joins us next on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Clay Travis about to join us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us on this Wednesday edition. Chat is flying by. It is. As promised. That's as good. promised. Uh, We're Merrill, nearing the halfway point of the show. That's right. Uh, Merrill Hodge joins us but in an counting? hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who's counting minutes? Clay about to join us uh, from New York. Um, so the reports are that Shannon Sharp, who has officially left Undisputed on FS1, is the front runner for FanDuel's show to replace Pat McAfee when he departs for ESPN. I think this makes a ton of sense. Uh, the brand for Shannon Sharp is as big as anyone you could find to replace McAfee. And he's got the energy and the personality and the Rolodex to pull it off. I think it's a, it's a very good pivot if you're FanDuel, based on what you offered McAfee reportedly and that he turned down in order to go to the four-letter network. Do so, you agree? Yeah, I do. Um, it, it, that would be one that if you're Shannon Sharp, you're going you're gonna to talk to for sure. And no doubt. FanDuel would make sense. And they have Kay Adams and Michelle Beadle yes. right now on shows. Yeah, I, I think this makes a lot of sense. I think there are other places that would make sense for Shannon Sharp also, one being... Stephen A. Smith on his podcast said, I'd welcome him yeah, that, on this show to debate and, me and anytime. first take. Yeah. yeah. On first take. Clay Travis joins us uh, from New York. He's headed to the Yankees game later this evening against Seattle. Clay, appreciate it, man, and I uh, hope things are well. Everything is great. No, uh, no complaints at all. How are you guys? I'm in Central Park getting ready to go to the Yankee game. Not a bad day. Nice. Uh, yes. Very jealous of that. Um, you agree with us that if FanDuel pivots and goes with Shannon Sharp, it's, it's, a, it's a great option considering McAfee's going to ESPN? Yeah, I don't think that's a bad option. Look, I, I think what, the, uh, what everybody's doing, including OutKick, as you guys well know, is, is build out their own digital-first networks. So, you know, you guys have been putting uh, Charlie on recently. Um, you know, the plan at OutKick is to start a morning show with her and a co-host starting at 7 a.m. Uh, East Coast um, and then eventually run all the way up through Tommy at 7 p.m. Uh, and have 12 hours of daily live programming. And so I think um, as FanDuel tries to figure out exactly what their game plan is on content, um, you know, they, they've started to invest dollars. And, uh, and obviously the money that they have committed to that, at least relative to what reports have said about Pat McAfee, is substantial enough that it could make a uh, uh, maybe somebody like uh, a Shannon Sharp take notice. Now, also keep in mind, 
I'm always skeptical anytime people leak stories like these. Agents have jobs too. Um, and one of the jobs of the agents is to make everybody think that everybody wants their client, right? Um, so there may have been very limited conversations. It may be very real. It might not be. Uh, so again, the job of an agent is to, is to convince all of the buyers that there are a lot of interests in, uh, in the client and that can be true or not true. So, uh, you gotta be a little bit skeptical, but, uh, I think the general consensus, the general move, uh, is that FanDuel wants to produce more original content. That's certainly true. Clay, college baseball is a sport of maniacs when you watch it. I mean, these guys are going crazy on the diamond, and it is entertaining to watch. I'm curious because you have three boys, and I know at least one of them is playing baseball right now and was recently in a tournament. Are you seeing some of that type of stuff in youth baseball that you see in college baseball? And in general, how big of college baseball fans are your sons compared to Major League Baseball? They pay attention, I think, like a lot of people do uh, when the College World Series really begins in earnest. Uh, but my boys are big Braves fans, um, and they're excited to go to the Yankee game tonight. Um, but, uh, but yeah, look, I mean, I think uh, the quality of baseball, the quality of baseball instruction is on a different level now than it was when you know people our age played Little League Baseball. Uh, there were over 80 teams playing uh, at this Cooperstown event. It was super cool, um, fantastically well done. Uh, and uh, I, I think, you know, for those who are in that, you know, tour travel team universe, um, they are really, really skilled. Clay Travis with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Clay, uh, I know you've been following the Ocean Gate, the, the sub that's lost and that they're, you know, they're yeah. exploring Titanic and all. $250,000 is, is what these people paid to go on this excursion, which, which uh, has been successful in the past. There are people that have been on it that are commenting on you know, the protocols and things. Uh, first, uh, I, I can't think of doing this off the, like spending 250 grand to, to have this experience. What, what is, what's the craziest thing you would spend 250 grand on <laughs> for an experience? So. I, I don't know that there's anything I would spend 250 grand on, honestly. I mean, maybe with the risk. Here's, right? here's, here's a question I would ask you, Clay. And I, I thought about this yesterday. This would be about the same cost to go into space. Would you be more comfortable going to the depths of the ocean, or at least where we've explored before, in a submarine, or going into outer space? Which would be scarier to you? I think whichever one had been done successfully the most would be less scary to me. Right. My, my question would be, how many times have you done this successfully? I don't have any great desire to be to do either. Right. Um, now, I can see myself uh, in media where they're like, oh, you know, sometimes you get to do cool things. And they're like, hey, will you write about this or talk about this? And you get the opportunity to do it. Um, I can see myself having said, oh, yeah, I'll do this, you know, Titanic thing. I wouldn't pay to do it. But if somebody were offering me a free ride to go check it out, I probably would say yes might have done the same thing for space, right? But neither one of them would be some incredibly life-fulfilling desire. Like, I don't, I've seen the photos of the Titanic. I can't imagine that I would see it from a porthole in, a, you know, 12,000 feet below the sea and feel differently than I did when I watched all the footage that they've already made. And similarly, I don't think I would have some tremendously different appreciation for the world uh, if I were suddenly looking out um, of a porthole in space and seeing Earth. I think it would be cool. 
I might be willing to do it for free if I thought it was super safe. Um, but I would not be like doing everything in my power to take that opportunity. And I think it's part risk. You know, they're they're paying for the risk and the thrill of that, which I was also just kind of crazy to think about because you're 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 signing up, especially with space that you know. I mean, you've seen it where things go awry and there's no coming back. Same same for the ocean, where I mean, we've been to the moon, but we've never been to the depths of the of the ocean. Uh, the, the, yeah, the one that I feel bad for associated with this story is I believe one of the guys has like his 12 year old kid with him. Um, I can't imagine doing that with a kid and feeling like, oh, I put their life at risk, like as a dad. Yeah. Um, for my own, I have very high risk tolerance for myself and low for my kids, uh, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, so I can't imagine being stuck down there. Uh, you know, I'm 44. I feel like I've had a good life. I, you know, I'm walking around Central Park. If somebody shot me right now, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'd prefer to have lived another 30 or 40 years. But, you know, I felt pretty good about my 44. Uh, but if something happened to one of my kids, I would be like, you know, crestfallen. Um, and so I can't imagine what that guy, that dad is thinking um, who took his son down there with him. To me, that's the most awful thought um, is putting your kid uh, in that situation and having to sit there alongside him, um, and, and know, you know, he's 10 or 12 years old, uh, you know, with, with all of his life ahead of him, the same reason, I mean, honestly, not to get dark, but the same reason why, you know, if you go to an 85 year old funeral, it's like, Oh, you know, it's sad, you know, but an 85 year old or 80 year old had a really good life. You know, you go to a 10 year old's funeral. It's like, I, I, it's hard to even, you know, like make yourself, uh, you know, go because it's just so devastating to think about. Was it? Did you feel like you were at a funeral reading the uh, the the words that you wrote for American Playbook with the the audio book that continues to be? Are, are you finished with that officially? I know the book comes out August eighth. Yeah, I did ten hours of recording, so I had to record every word um, that I wrote, which is a little bit like a extreme, you know, masturbatory experience, I guess, to be reading your own words <laughs> for ten hours. Um, I would imagine people will. Uh, uh, you know, who listen to the show on radio and are busy and travel and don't read as much. Well, I mean, I imagine we'll sell a lot of copies of the audiobook, but I always think that's a little bit weird to read your own audiobook. But I think the only thing probably that would be weirder is someone else reading your own audiobook, if that makes sense. Um, and so uh, that's kind of uh, the world that, uh, that we're in. But yeah, it comes out August 8th. I think I'm going to be like on the road. I was just, uh, I had a meeting yesterday for the publicist or whatever i'm going to be in like i don't know eight or ten different cities over the course of a a two-week book launch books are a lot like movies now in that you pretty much sell all the copies in the first month and then uh you know it's like a movie release then you hope that it has some staying power and people are still interested in reading it um into the future but you know i'll be doing basically every big uh outlet i can fox news wall street journal um, you know, a lot of different podcasts and, uh, and shows and whatnot. Uh, and then, uh, and then it'll be football season. And basically, you know, most of the sales will be done by the time, uh, we kick off for college football. Clay, let's tie this into movies. If you had your choice of Hollywood actor or celebrity of any kind to read your audiobook <laughs> to be the voice of it, budget was not a concern one way or the other, who would you choose to read American playbook? Morgan Freeman. That's a good one. That that would be a strong I, I don't, voice. I, mean, I think he's got the. I think he's got the best voice in America. Um, maybe James Earl Jones, if he had the, you know, I think he's I, like eighty-two or eighty-three. The voice of Darth Vader. Uh, both of those guys would be uh, would be pretty fantastic. John Hamm, I think, has a really good voice. Yep. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, those would probably be three or four that, uh, that would, that would come to mind immediately. I think it would sound weird if a woman, uh, read, you know, my book, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe that's sexist of me. I can't keep up with uh, the sexism of late, but I think a woman should read a woman's book and a man should read a man's book. Does that make sense from yes. an audio book perspective? Yeah. I think it would be kind of weird if you read a book by Clay Travis and it was like, I don't know, Gwyneth Paltrow reading it. Um, but uh, <laughs> oh, she burns you know, her I'm not an expert in audio books, but yeah. I think that would be a, a bit strange. I, I'm just thinking to myself. James Earl Jones, by the way, 92 years old. Imagine, 92. Imagine being oh, James Earl Jones there. Uh, or Morgan Freeman reading the Bible. And in the I, I couldn't help but think like, I am, I am portraying the voice of God right now. Like that would be yeah, I mean, the words of Christ in red, that would and then be, you have to read those words. Yeah. And, and, and everyone's going to hear me read the word of God. Like that, that is uh, crazy to me to consider that they were chosen because of their voice. Yeah, I mean, to me, the test case scenario is, would you find it compelling if like Morgan Freeman read, uh, I don't know, the Red Lobster menu? And the answer <laughs> is probably yes, yes right? And, uh, and, and if that's, that's a test of how compelling the, uh, the audio narration would be. I think he could probably give uh, uh, American Playbook a nice whirl. So, Clay, we had on Matt Ariza's accuser's attorney, Dan Gillian, and he said a lot of things in the interview with us. On Real Sports with HBO last night, he really changed his tune and now will not say what he's claimed all along, that Matt Ariza was actually present for the alleged gang rape, but that he was there that night, but he won't go as far as to say he was definitely there. This after an investigation showed that he wasn't there, Matt Ariza is saying they filed the paperwork. They're ready to get it going. They're going to sue this attorney for defamation. What do you think about the merits of that case with Ariza now suing this attorney? I mean, I'm not an expert on having analyzed it. Again, the standard for a public figure to prove defamation is very high. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and I did First Amendment law back in the, back in the day. Uh, you would have to p- to prove some sort of intentional uh, wrongdoing, uh, you know, a, an egregious form of, uh, of of negligence that's sort of beyond the pale. Um, and uh, I, I think the chances of him being successful in that, again, as a public figure, would be low. Uh, but I certainly understand why he's angry uh, and why he wants to uh, to clear his name. And sometimes. The point of filing a lawsuit like that is not actually to win the lawsuit, but for everybody to cover the fact that you have filed the lawsuit. A lot of times the filing of the lawsuit gets far more attention than the ultimate disposition uh, of the uh, of the lawsuit. Uh, You know, I would bet it's probably seven or eight to one on a lawsuit filed versus a lawsuit settled or lawsuit dismissed. So sometimes I think people make the calculated decision as it pertains to defamation hey, you're unlikely to win this case, but if you want to make a strong statement about the fact that you are saying your story is truthful, I think a lot of guys end up uh, making that decision. Clay, you're going to absolutely love this comparison. David on the YouTube chat says that Bradley Cooper should read your book and Bradley Cooper would be the appropriate actor to play you in a biopic of your life. Clay, your thoughts on that? Better than Tom Green um, on both, I would say. Uh, yes, yes. I, I am not. Uh, I, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to. You know, like uh, quibble with uh, what I think is clearly a uh, a brilliant cast uh, casting director, probably who's in the YouTube chat right now, uh, sharing that uh, those opinions. But uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, um, I could do. Uh, I could do far far worse than that. Clay, uh, 
enjoy Yankee Stadium tonight. Yankees and Mariners. I know Cooperstown was awesome. Uh, Central Park's got to be awesome today. And uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. Appreciate y'all. See yeah, you. man. Play Travis there, uh, the founder of Outkick, Outkick.com, and uh, the new book, American Playbook. It's linked through his bio on, uh, on Twitter, at Clay Travis. You can order it for August 8th. I've, in my mind, I'm thinking about the Howard Stern pranks where they take audio books and then take words and yes. make a guy say something else. Yeah. That will happen with Clay, for without sure. a doubt. More headlines next, plus uh, weird headlines with Davey Hudson here on Outkick. Major League Baseball players chimed in. They voted on the favorite expansion cities. When, not if, but when Major League Baseball expands. We'll have that for you coming up. YouTube's where you can find us uh, for video purposes and to join us on the chat. Just search out OutKick. Subscribe to the channel. Join us each day starting at 3 o'clock Eastern for Hot Mike with Hud and Withrow here on the OutKick Network and all the shows there available. Chad, each day, train stories. Uh, uh, Across, uh, not just here in the States, but across the globe. Everywhere. Davey Hudson digs we, them up. We, we dig hard for these stories. This is our journalism with a capital J team getting after it and finding the stories that matter. And sometimes it just floats to the top. Here's Davey Hudson with uh, Getting Weird. Let's get weird! Let's get weird! Weird! Get weird! Weird! Davey, you know we are a huge fan of Kenny Powers, mm. Eastbound and yes. Down, mm-hmm. Righteous Gemstones. Stevie Janowski also. I'd, I'd like to quote the first <sighs> lines of the show, but I would probably get fired, so I will refrain from doing so. We'll do that in our after hours. You'll do that for Nightcaps at Outkick when you have the, the Nightcaps podcast. You can do, quote We that would show. have your back better than Barstool had Mincy's back. Though, we absolutely that, Thank if you. If that took place. Uh, so there's a bowling coach that went full on Kenny Powers? Uh, well, he's an assistant bowling coach, uh, if, if that helps. But, you know, you know, before I even get into this story, it's Jim Gaffigan once had a great joke. It's like, why do you even need a bowling coach? He comes up to me. He's like, hey, Timmy, I want you to knock all the pins down. <laughs> you sure, coach? Trust me, I know what I'm doing. So that's a, that's a good bit. But no, this bowling coach, the reason he's in the news, because he did give a very Kenny Powers-esque answer as to why his marriage fell apart, seeing as he ended up cheating on his wife, who is the actual bowling coach with the student athlete that is a part of the bowling team. So he's the assistant coach. His wife is the head coach of the bowling team. Yes. At- Already, uh, Steve- that's a difficult dynamic. Yep. Stephen F. Austin. Uh, this guy's name is Steve Limke. I think is how you pronounce it. You get a, a shot of this uh, strapping young lad here. Smelled like Mark but, Limke, former Braves yeah. second baseman, maybe? Yeah, but uh, here's, here's what uh, Limke, Limke had to say. Second Limke I've ever heard of. They, they asked him, you know, this has happened. Do you have a statement you want to give? And he reads, I quote, yeah, I knew it was kind of a no-no, but there's not a rule saying it can't happen. There's not a law saying I'm going to jail for doing something like this. There's nothing in stone. I guess it's just an ethics code. Like, we frown upon it, but there's no rule. There's no law broken. That, that is was, Kenny Powers. That was his yeah. excuse for explaining why he ended up sleeping with a student-athlete that ultimately ruined his marriage. He went on. I'm not going to continue into his quote, but he was just talking about how he was a stay-at-home dad, and he felt like he was doing all the work, and it is... If, if you got into season three of Kenny Powers, well, that was, I'm getting my seasons mixed up. Was he down in Mexico in season two or season three? Season two, I think he went to Mexico. He went south of the border. And then he came back and he played for the Merman, right? Yes. Hurt my nose. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Sudeikis appears in season two, I believe, in, in Mexico. 
Um, this is a, just a case of, look, the guy felt emasculated because he's the assistant bowling coach to his wife who's the head coach, and he acted up, and he's just going through the rule book and saying, you point to me specifically where it says in the Stephen F. Austin student conduct and coach conduct book <laughs> where it says you can't do this, and the man found the gray area. You know, a lot of people find the gray in well, life. I don't know if his wife did. Not the did. black and white. His, his wife, wife didn't find it. His that. wife did not find the gray, but he found the gray is what he's trying to say in this statement. <laughs> yeah. His wife found a text that ultimately led to everything unraveling. Uh, there's more to the story you can find at outkick.com. But, yeah, not, not a good day for Steve. And, uh, I mean, based off that answer, though, that's not a situation where you're showing remorse and I'm thinking, you know what, I want to give this guy another chance. He sounds like a politician that was caught on the sidewalk by an uh, investigative reporter. And that's just what he came up with. Is it safe to say he didn't pick up the spare? Is what we're saying in this story to tie it all in? Well done. Mm, yes. Well that's a good done. one. Uh, another thing, we had to bring this another time. The links people go to to create bowling alley animations as far as when you get a strike or a spare. I don't know if you've seen those. Those have been pretty popular on social media, swirling around lately. Uh, there's some pretty good ones there. I don't know. Maybe we can compile a list of some of the best that we've found. That's something for another day. But for our next Story. Chad and I, by the way, we have a trophy of uh, we won a bowling championship once. We did a, a, a with a celebrity bowling former thing. Vanderbilt head coach Derek Mason. We did nice. We did. We performed very well. Uh, Chad, you send in the next one for uh, let's get weird with the pennies. Yeah, but Davy does such a good job presenting them. Davy's well, got this, but go, I, you go know the, the backstory one. as well. Yeah, so um, for this next story, I think this was according to the AP, but there was an auto shop owner in Georgia who, we'll just say, was vindictive, did not like how the courts ruled against him whenever it came to uh, U.S. labor practices. And so he thought, you know what? Well, I've got to pay this money to my former employees. So the best way to do that is to get a lot of pennies, oil them up, and then just drop them in those people's driveways. Uh, That did not go well for an auto repair shop, uh, AOK Walker Auto Works, which is in Peachtree, Georgia. And it ultimately was 91,500 pennies, which totals $915, which you're thinking, wow, that's a lot. Well, the judge then ordered, based off a few other things that ended up happening from this story, to pay 4 million more pennies. So that's forty, roughly $40,000 is what he ultimately had to pay the For, second go around. Because of unpaid overtime or something? Yes, it was like unpaid so overtime. Not because he paid in pennies. It was No. But that, he, can, he can pay this in pennies if he wants, I guess. I doubt he it. He should I, use the well, same quote that, that Limpke did down at Stephen F. Austin. Well, well I think the fact that he's being charged more now, he probably is going to not do that. But look, this is next level petty. That's, that's what this is with the pennies with someone – uh, it's hard to find good help th- these, this day and age. That's one lesson here, right? This is what this guy's saying. Clearly had an issue with the former employee, but to p- give just greasy, dirty pennies to someone as the payment is uh, pretty next level. I need to know the details between him and this guy who, who filed against him, though. Well, yeah, I mean, there were there were several people that ultimately ended up being involved. Employed, did he keep his employees employed during COVID? Like, I, I need to know what this guy did for well, these guys. Well, and can we uh, possibly get this guy on the show, the owner of the garage? I want to hear his side of the story. What led him to dropping off pennies to the guy to pay him yeah. back? Again, I, I need to know the, the further details beneath the surface of this to be able to judge whether or not it's that petty. It is petty. Yeah, We'll get but our journalism how, team on how, it. I may enjoy this. I may, I may say, it. you know what, this is worthy of the, the penny dump. The Outkick Journalism Department is all over the store. Over a $900 paycheck. I, I will say this was 2021, so uh, it's still under some of the COVID 
regulations and rules at the time, but there were nine employees Local total. business, right? This is not like a... Yeah, no, not a big chain of, you know, like auto repair shops yeah. across the country. Uh, the other thing, though, is I, I think after... At a certain point, though, and this is just a, a bigger problem all, uh, as a whole, but the way in which people just treat pennies nowadays, they're, they're getting to a point, I think, will eventually get rid of them. And if he were to pay that roughly $40,000 in all pennies, that would actually cost him quite a bit of money just to be able to gather that many pennies. Yeah, I don't know how you come up with that many pennies. I found pennies in my car today when cleaning it out and threw them away. <laughs> Every single one that I found in the floorboard, I just tossed in the trash. That's how much oh. I think about pennies. I didn't even put them in my cup holder with the rest of the change. And this I just guy threw is thinking, I've got to come up with $4 million and now they're in the trash. Yeah. How many yeah. pennies could you find in the dump? Probably quite a few. From guys that Can uh, you car recycle washes. copper? When, when was the last time? Oh, it's one of the uh, people steal copper all the time. Yeah, I wonder if you could just take your pennies and like, but give them somewhere where you could recycle them for good. Where do you guys we'll draw the cutoff? You know who would know? Bob Huggins. Big recycler is Bob Huggins. He would well, know you're right. where to recycle copper. Well, That's what we should ask. L- yeah. l- let me ask you this, guys. Where do you draw the line of if I see a penny, a nickel, a dime, or a quarter on the side of the street? Uh, street when will you actually lean over to pick it up i normally do it i normally pick it up um, uh, it for, for all of them though it'd have to be a quarter uh, yeah it, it, it's not i wouldn't do it for a penny but i, I normally would lean over and, and pick up the change i'm not keeping it in my pocket though i don't keep pocket change anymore i try to get rid of it so i'll just give it to someone that comes up to me on the side of the street that that needs something or uh you know just leave it behind conveniently on a on a tab do homeless, part, people, part of the tip. do homeless people even accept pennies anymore? If you were just handing out to, to someone begging on the street, do they just throw it back How in could the they drain? Not? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do anything with this. They just Are throw you blaming the them for whites on the street? No, I'm just saying, like you said, <laughs> that you pick it up, you pick up anything. Other than a penny. keep it around for someone that needs it. Like, would you hand No, well, it would be in my pocket penny? all day. And then I, if, I, if I have a tab anywhere right now, I would leave it as part of my cash tip. I, okay. like, to, I like to tip in cash because I want to make sure it goes in the pocket of someone that's actually serving or waiting on whatever service uh, I've, I've paid for. Sense. And so I'll just leave the pocket change behind. It's their problem, not mine. I, again, I'm, I'm with You're you guys. You're a philanthropist. I, That's but, what I'm here. No, I, they probably hate me for it. Uh, because it's, you know, a couple nickels and a, and a quarter. I love the sound it makes when you're like at the coffee shop and you just leave change hey. as the tip. And the person can hear you just what? leaving like eight pennies, I'm, I'm, and it just the sound of it dropping into the bottom of the the change jar. If you would have told nine year old me, where I was, I would go around begging someone to give me a quarter at school because you had to have like I think it was seventy five cents for like an orange crush or something, right? Mm. And you could get that during lunch. Well, I I would hope to find it at the house, but sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I did, but. It, Today, I'm thinking about me then compared to what I'm doing now where I don't – I would have loved to be in the situation where I randomly find a quarter on the street and walk right by it because I have so many for the orange crushes at lunch. I've also learned in the YouTube chat that pennies are now zinc, not copper. Oh. Didn't know. I, I confused my That's mind. That's why yeah, I, I mean, well, I was about to say, you couldn't you, – every time you make a penny, you lose money. It costs more to produce. Yeah. Let me sit down and digest that for a while while, while you read us the next headline. All right. Uh, this next one, it's a fill-in-the-blank, guys, but a Florida city under, is under quarantine due to? Mm. Malaria. Dirty syringes. 
to actually giant African snail. I got a picture for these of this bad boy. I mean, uh, well, the, first off, there's a picture of actually the notice that, hey, we're doing this investigation, trying to locate it. But in uh, Broward County, Florida, uh, there's an area, I think it's like 11 miles west of Hollywood, Florida, where they have cornered off a three and a half mile area to try to find and exterminate any signs of giant African snails. These things are incredibly dangerous to the environment. Uh, if it continue, its eggs spread, uh, it spreads, it can cause widespread damage to the current ecosystem. And it's also a, uh, I guess, a pest that can cause rat lungworm, which is something that can ultimately lead to meningitis. And it's just one of the things to where you can't, you can What's move this? a person out of this area right now, but you can't actually take any plants, anything of that. What is its purpose? The snail? Yeah. Nothing here. Yeah, apparently it's not not good. You said it can cause meningitis? Yes, it, it can cause like... I'm just thinking like, why not exterminate this? Well, they're trying, but that's the thing. It's like invasive and it's one of those things that just showed up and they're how like... Did, it, did someone have it as a pet? Like, I wonder how it got I here. I mean, it's possible. Because I've never heard of this in the States. Um, I once had viral meningitis and this kind of ties back to our other story about change. I'm convinced that I got it while working in college at a liquor store, and I would take the talking about pennies and dimes and quarters. I would take the sweatiest, dirtiest change from homeless people, homeless, oh, college kids. homeless alcoholics. <laughs> well, no, this was a. You could also I, I you could describe a, me as that. In I was at a. I, I was at a. I was at a liquor store not close to the college. Uh, we've been by there. We, so we paid like, homage. It was we well, paid homage. Yeah, it was well east of the the city. <laughs> and um, that's not yeah, the one that you've been to with me. I did not work at, but a lot of people in my fraternity worked there. Uh, I worked at the one where it's all old people. They come in, old people and homeless people. And I'd get handed okay. the sweaty, wadded up dollar bills and change every day to get like a pint of Tavarsky vodka. They worked hard And I remember that. it was $2.14 for a pint of Tavarsky oh. vodka. And someone would come in every day and get the same pint. And I'm convinced that I probably got viral meningitis from handling this dirty money. And I was hospitalized for a week while in college. I bet you gave him viral meningitis. True. I was that probably exposed. That vodka would kill everything except for whatever you gave him. Living in my frat house, I was definitely exposed to some pathogens that even this homeless person <laughs> was not accustomed to seeing. He built up immunity. Yeah. That dude that had that years ago. I, the, the, the sad part of the story is I actually killed the homeless guy. <laughs> he gave me meningitis, but I gave him far worse. Hey, Kenny Powers would say the same thing. He died. To tie it all back I also in. felt a little bit like morally conflicted. Like, dude, I'm not the one to stop him. Like, I'm just the cashier at the liquor store. Yeah. But I wanted to like say, dude, is this the best use of your $2.14 every day? Like, maybe, you know, go get some help or go to a mission or something. But every day, you know what I did? I handed him that Tavarsky vodka and didn't say a word. You made him very happy, Chad. You made his day better. That's what we try to do. With you just a little bit of happiness. Hour. A little bit of happiness we want to spread Major every day. League Baseball players have voted which expansion city would be first for them. That's next. <laughs> 